Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have you ever noticed, or have you recently noticed, the intensity of the sun seems like it's like seven times hotter? The, the brightness, just the sheer brightness of the sun is amazing right now. It's very bright. Very, very bright. Why? Why the difference between this year, this summer, and last summer in 2017? Well, I've got an idea. I've got a theory. And that is that they have been spraying our atmosphere above our heads every single day. We think that's just water, water vapor, you know, from uh, airplanes or jets traveling in the atmosphere. Well, no. No, they are actually paid, and as long as they're paid, they'll keep doing it. They're paid to put out chemicals, including microparticles of aluminum, that's right, microparticles of aluminum, also barium and strontium and all kinds of other chemicals. Well, what's the problem with that? They've been doing that for years. Well, not as much. This year, more than ever, there are chemtrails out in our skies every single day. Every day, I hear them. I'm out in my garden and I'm weeding or something like that, and I hear them go by, go overhead loudly, spraying this stuff. And what does it do to the atmosphere? Well, it puts these cirrus-looking clouds. They're really ugly. They make a crisscross pattern up above our heads. Well, when they trickle down to the Earth's surface... As they do, they spread out. As they spread out, it intensifies the sunlight. It's as if their attempt to stop global warming is backfiring on them and backfiring on you and me. I, for one, don't appreciate it. I don't like it. I don't want them to do this anymore. But what I want is immaterial. Why would they care? They're making money. Our president said that he would stop that, stop the chemtrails. But the money people got to him, apparently, and he caved and said, okay, go ahead. You're making money. You're keeping the economy going. So, go ahead. Well, they started doing it at night. They started it um, going higher in the atmosphere so we wouldn't be able to detect them as well. You can still hear them every single day. Listen to what the Bible says about this. Isaiah 9.19 is interesting. It says, The land is scorched. By the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and the people are like fuel for the fire. 
No one has compassion on his brother. Bingo. That's what we've got. Isaiah 9.19. But that's just one place. One place. How about 24.6 of Isaiah? Therefore a curse devours the land and the earth, and they who dwell in it suffer the punishment of their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the land and the earth are scorched and parched, and few people are left. That's ugly, and that's scary. I have grandchildren. I have children. I don't want them to suffer through that, but that's what's going to happen, and it's happening now. Isaiah 35 turns that around. When God returns, he's going to make the scorched land become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. So that's going to be a good thing. But until then, we people are like grass on the rooftop, scorched by the east wind, That's in 37.27. The inhabitants are devoid of power. Do we have power to stop it? No. We are terrified and put to shame. They have become like plants in the field, like green shoots, like grass on the rooftop, scorched by the east wind. That's Isaiah 37.27. So if you've noticed this, like I have, and you're in denial, like some people I know, we better think again, because this is real. This is what people are actually doing. They call it geoengineering. Just Google it. You'll find a plethora of people, of scientists, talking about this mess. And they're keeping it up because they're making money. Now, to me, that is greed, and it is costing people's lives. It's costing their health. Aluminum causes Alzheimer's, and we're breathing that stuff when we go outside every single day. Don't they realize they have to live on the planet, too? But they're making money. Oh, boy, that's really great stuff. Come on. But do keep in mind that the Lord continually will guide us, that is, if we follow him and his word. Isaiah fifty-eight eleven, And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That's why we should turn to God and stay there. We should stay close to him. He is our Savior. Here's what Jeremiah 9.10 says, I will raise weeping and a lament over the mountains, a dirge over the wilderness, grazing land, 
In other words, over the wilderness grazing land. I didn't read that right. For they have been so scorched that no one passes through. The sound of cattle is no longer heard from the birds of the sky to the animals. Everything has fled. They have gone away. Yeah, well, they died. The animals are dying all over the earth. Fish kills in Florida, on both coasts, and in Lake Okeechobee. Why? Well, because of the chemical companies that have deposited phosphates and other chemicals into the water as a cheap way to get rid of it so they can use it for fertilizer, but the runoff goes into the lake where it creates algae blooms, which gets into the oceans, both of them. Oh, boy, what a mess. Human beings, when they try to fix what isn't wrong with God's earth, make a mess of it. And that's exactly what we have done. The Army Corps of Engineers is one of the culprits, just one, not the big kahuna. No, the chemical companies are responsible. That is, they're irresponsible when it comes to responsibility toward people. They're sure responsible when it comes to their responsibilities toward their shareholders. Well, shame on them for their greed. That's amazing. Verse 12, Jeremiah 9. Who is the man wise enough to understand this? Who has the Lord spoken to that he may explain it? Why is the land destroyed and scorched like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? Well, all we got to do is look around and be aware of what's really happening. They put those uh, chemicals out there to stop global warming in theory. That's what they tell us. It's to stop global warming. It's to reflect all that heat away from the earth. But what they don't realize is the actual science shows that the intensity of the light itself is what heats up the earth. And now they've made it gone into uh, millions and millions of microparticles so that that intensity is so bad it reaches the earth maybe thousands of times greater than it did without it. They're messing up, and they don't understand what they're doing, and they don't care. This is what bothers me. They don't care. Oh, God, help us. Please come soon. Now let's go to Ezekiel 15.4. Lo, to the fire it has been given for fuel. Would that be us, humans, maybe? Its two ends has the fire eaten, and its midst has been scorched. Is it for profitable work, or is it profitable for work? Well, that's interesting. It's interesting. Verse 5, 
says this, Lo, in its being perfect, it is not used for work, how much less when fire has eaten of it and it is scorched. Has it been used yet for work? Has it done any good, in other words? No, and it's not going to. It's only going to make matters worse. Every time man fixes what God hasn't messed up, we screw it up even worse. That's a shame, and it's really a shame. Ezekiel twenty forty seven is another interesting scripture. Say to the forest there, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I am about to ignite a fire in you, and it will devour every green tree and every dry tree in you. The blazing flame shall not be extinguished, and every face from the south to the north will be scorched by it. Now, I'm telling you right now, that's scary stuff. That really is scary. Now I want to jump down to the book of Revelation, chapter 16, starting in verse 8. And the fourth angel <clears throat> excuse me, uh, poured out his bowl upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which has power over these plagues. Does that make sense? No. And they repented not to give him glory. So, you know, to me, it's through the Bible. I mean, here and there, you can. it talks about the word scorched. God alone has the power to really do something about the weather. And our global warming idea... Let me tell you, that's man-made stuff. We manufactured that. God's not really doing that, in my opinion, or, or else he's doing it through the waywardness of human beings, and it's going to backfire on us. Look at the fires in California. Well, we get our vegetables from California. We're over here in Florida, over 2,000 miles away. Now, we could grow some here. We should. We're growing oranges. We're growing sugar cane because they make the most money. It's hard to make money with vegetables. People don't eat vegetables very much. It's a shame. They ought to eat more vegetables than meat, that's for sure. It's not healthy, especially nowadays. And we should most definitely give glory to the God who has the power over our lives, over life and death. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. In other words, they called it evil. But he alone has the power over these plagues, and yet they will not repent to give him glory. And that's a shame. That's a disgrace. But if you ask me, this whole thing is contrived. It's contrived by, I mean, it's not pretend, it's real. It's real. We are having global warming. Now, 
You can be in denial all you want to. You can believe whatever you want to. But surely you can go outside and realize how much more bright it is outside. And with that brightness comes more heat. Why? Well, because the earth itself absorbs those rays, which are now compounded. It's kind of like uh, putting yourself inside a solar collector. It's focused, and it's focused on creating a beam of light right where you are. This is not good, folks. This is not good at all. If this continues every single year, that heat's going to accumulate. It's not going to dissipate back out into space. It's not going to reflect back out into space like they claimed it would. Just the opposite. It's going to keep that heat in. It's going to reflect it back into the atmosphere and not allow it to cool off overnight. Scary stuff. I hope you have air conditioning or some other way to keep cool, like maybe a water fan or something like that. I guess the real only really the only thing we can do about it is pray. Because God alone has the power to stop things like that. But he may let us feel it for a while. Because it's it isn't his fault. We did it. We're doing it, and we we thought it was um, carbon emissions from fossil fuels. Well, as I've explained before, there's no fossil fuels in our gas tank. That's right. There, these are abiotic components of the earth itself. Oil is abiotic. It is not dead dinosaurs rotting away. No, it is not dead vegetation rotting away and forming into oil. No, nothing got buried thousands, like tens of thousands of feet down. In Noah's flood, how much vegetation was on the earth? Enough to create all that oil? No, that oil is found all over the earth. It's the second most abundant liquid on planet earth. So that little bit of uh, vegetation rotted away before it could ever turn to oil, and it never got buried 10,000 feet down. Now, how oil is made? Okay, it's methane gas. At the core of the earth is methane gas. It's trying to work its way up through the miles of crust that we have on the earth. And as it does, it goes through a body of water, a buried underground river, let's say. Well, that methane picks up a hydrogen molecule that way, under heat and pressure. And so it becomes one. It melds together. Now you've got methyl hydrocarbon hydrocarbons that's where it comes from it's from methane as it does reach a body of let's say 
a peat bog or something like that, it may pick up more chemicals. But by the time it gets to the surface of the earth and cools, it's oil. That's how it's made. Just type in abiotic oil. Google that. And you will learn all about it. It's not buried dinosaurs. Sorry, Chevron, but you lied. Maybe you didn't know the truth. But anyway, these are scary times to live in, folks. And they're only going to get worse before they get a whole lot better. They're going to get better when Jesus comes here. He comes here to live and to save our planet alive. Now, by all indications, there aren't going to be a lot of people left. And um, when you think about the war that's coming in the Middle East, what do they have over there? What is the, uh, the wealth of the area? Is it in sand? No. How about in trees, like palm trees? Maybe they got date palms and stuff like that. Do you know that Saudi Arabia in the 1970s and 80s purchased from Florida, yes, from Florida, thousands of palm trees, thousands of trees, thousands of all kinds of vegetation because they didn't have any. No, their wealth is not in trees or in dates. It's in oil. We've got a lot of trouble coming there. We've got powerful and large Iran, which is about, oh, I'd say a third the size of the uh, United States. But that's still huge. That's like everything east of the Mississippi, that's how big it is. That's a lot. And they've got a lot of oil. And it all passes through the Strait of Hormuz, which happens to be a narrow part of the Persian Gulf. And that oil, you know, million, billions of dollars worth of oil is shipped out of there every day and through the Strait of Hormuz. Now, Iran has a fairly sizable uh, navy. It has about 18,000 ships. And they have a lot of missiles. Now, a lot of these ships are little tiny uh, outboard you know, boats, really. But they're equipped with guns that can take out a, a super tanker. All they have to do is create a giant hole in the side of the thing, and it's going down. Well, and then they mine. Some of them are mine planters. These ships plant mines in the Persian Gulf. And it's to um, kind of guide the ships into territory that isn't controlled by Iran. Well, they control quite a bit of it, really. But anyway, scary, uh, it's a scary thing, a scary place to be. If they were to take out an American tanker, I think there'd be a war between Iran and the United States. I hope that day never comes. 
But then you've got uh, Saudi Arabia, which isn't next door to Iran. But what is? Well, Iraq. Iraq is a lowland. It is a valley, if you would, between the mountains of Saudi Arabia, which most of the whole boot of Arabia is mountainous, but it's hot and it's dry. There's no vegetation to speak of out there. It's a desert. Mountains in the desert. Lots of rocks. But, and Iran has a big um, mountainous range between it and Iraq. But Iraq's a valley. Iraq's a valley, and it's low. There are salt marshes there. Well, these salt marshes are really pools of oil that surfaced. They came all the way up from the core of the earth to the atmosphere of the earth. And guess what happens if they get set on fire? Well, if they get set on fire, they're going to burn for thousands of years without any way to put them out other than putting them underwater. They're already a pool, and water will make the oil just surface to the top. Water's heavier. It's going to go down. So it would just spread the fire and spread the smoke and the heat. You know, we're worried about the heat. Well, that's a good thing to worry about. But there are other things like the smoke. So we don't want them to nuke out, you know, to nuke Iraq or Iran or Saudi Arabia. They take out Mecca, Medina, Riyadh, and some of the other bigger towns, and Baghdad, Iraq, and Tehran, and Jerusalem. We're going to have a lot of huge fires that cannot be put out by man. And that will make our global warming issues evident to everybody. I mean, big time. We talk about being scorched with great heat, like it says in Revelation 16:9, And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which has power over these plagues, and yet they repented not to give him glory. We're going to have the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of that. Keep your eyes on the Middle East, my friends. Because that is in your future and and mine. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I hope not to scare you. I hope to encourage you to look up, prepare for the return of Christ. And, And just how do you do that? Prayer, Bible study... And yes, church attendance, I know they may not teach truth. They may not be very good. Find one that's the best one you can find, that's the most truthful and the most biblical one available. And go there. Why? 
Well, because you can help them understand more truth. And that way the church can grow. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to work for God and to work for change, trying to get people involved in what God is doing. Helping each other prepare for the return of Christ. When you're married or when you're um, ha- when you have responsibilities and you fulfill them well, you are learning what it takes to be in God's kingdom, seems to me. It is a government. It is a coming government that's going to change the world and that has power to affect real change to do away with greedy large companies like Monsanto, Bayer uh, Chemical, and other places. That, that's just two minor examples. I say minor, well, if they control the food supply and the drug supply on the planet, that's not, <laughs> that's not minor. That's a big deal. But they're corrupt, just like there is corruption in every government, every corporation. And I'm not down on corporations. We need them. We need to have places to work. But when they get out of hand and they get corrupted and greedy, that's where the, the problem lies. God will change all of that, I'll guarantee you. And the earth will be cleaned up and become renewed. So we do have something to look forward to. So for now, I'm going to sign off. But thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope it's been helpful. And God willing, I'll be back next week. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day.